Welcome to the internet, live from our apartment in downtown Salt Lake City and a lovely house somewhere in the Logan metropolitan area. This is the Red Line Podcast. I'm your host, quote, good weather enjoyer Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts. Kyle, quote, lightning foamer Holland, and <laughs> Alex, quote, freak rainstorm fielder. Today we're discussing one of the most remarkable successes in North American rail transit of the past century. We'll talk Mexican border stations and more after the news. Do 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 do. Great job. Uh, nothing very interesting happened this week, according to Mass Transit Magazine, at least, which is the only reliable <laughs> source of transit-related news. Um, but there is a rather silly story from Darden, Texas. Uh, they've apparently just installed electric car charging ports at their Glen Heights Park and Ride, which was the most exciting news in the entire magazine this week. That's hilarious. That's an... Have they realized that park and the park and ride model does not work to attract ridership yet? Dart has not, and probably never will, given that they live in Dallas, Texas. Like, it's nice to have park and ride available in some locations, because it's useful for some people some of the time, but it sounds like they're trying to use it to attract ridership. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work too much, because I think if you invest that much money into an electric car, you're going to want to drive your electric car and not park it at a transit station. Interesting. Well, I think the idea is that they put it at this transit station specifically because it's the only place in the Dallas metropolitan area that it's faster to take transit downtown <laughs> from than, <laughs> than to drive. So there you go. Great. Great job, well, Dallas. So what you're saying right. is that BART should build like a 200,000 stall parking structure just on the far side of the bay? Yeah, and just turn all of West Oakland into a parking structure. The people would be for that idea. <laughs> well, if only because it would reduce the number of people living in West Oakland, which is something that, <laughs> you know, San Francisco Bay Area planners have historically been very much in favor of via building a billion highways through that area. Mm-hmm. Okay, this has been The News... Do, 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 do. Okay, Alex, how about you ask the very important question that we have here? <sighs> okay. The question for this episode is, what is San Diego? Great question, Alex. That's I... a terrible question. <laughs> Be that quiet. Is, that is so vague in scope. You just don't like the bit that everyone else who listens to the Such podcast is Such an uninteresting funny. question, too. Like, it's not even a good hook. I think it's pretty good hook, but what I'm kind of biased. What if we add an A to the San Diego? What is A San Diego? Then it's slightly quirky, but still the same thing. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't care what you think, so... Oh. Yeah, get wrecked. Um, San Diego is an oceanside city in the southernmost reaches of California, hemmed between the mountains and the sea, very romantically. Uh, it's the... <laughs> It's the eighth largest city in America with just over 1,360,000 residents and is the core city of a metro area with about 3.2 million people. Uh, it's known for its importance to the U.S. military, its beaches, its nearly perfect weather, SeaWorld, and the world-renowned San Diego Zoo. Didn't realize it was quite that big. Yeah, I don't think being known for SeaWorld is a very good thing. But it's something. I mean, other places I guess they, are known they can for own Disney. It. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I too love to be known for the horrific exploitation of wild animals. That's that's what I'm going for in my life. Yeah. You must be a San Diego. I'm a San Diegan. I don't know if that's a denonym or not. I'm going to look that up real quick. So it is the denonym now. It is? Oh, it's a denonym now. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, are you like a Loganite or a Loganian? Like, what's the what's the denonym there? Um, I don't know, but Loganite sounds sounds the most Utahn <laughs> out of all of those options. Yeah. True. Um, f- other fun facts about San Diego. Its airport is the busiest airport in the world with only a single runway. Hmm? Yeah. Cool. They That's no pretty space. impressive. I know. <laughs> no they, space for a second runway. No space for a second runway because there is a massive naval aviation base like oh, 20 feet away. It's not just because it's not like one of those weird coastal airports. Oh, it is a coastal airport. Oh, it's But both. you can't expand into the into the channel because otherwise the navy wouldn't be able to sail 10 aircraft carriers through it at once right right (laughs) therefore they stuck yeah Uh, also it's quite a dense metro relatively speaking because of the geographic constraints imposed on it uh has about 4500 people per square mile aggregated across the entire urbanized area that's impressive Mm -hmm. that's good for the whole metro yeah that's really good i love a good geographic constraint couldn't yeah. be us. Uh, not yet. We chose to ignore it and instead build Tuila. <laughs> uh. um, I'm also going to go out on the limb of saying that San Diego may actually be an underrated city in a lot of ways because everyone's like, oh, California, you know, it has sun. LA, San Francisco. But otherwise, it's so underrated. But in San Diego, you get Seattle housing costs with. Uh, San Francisco weather, and I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty cool. <laughs> so, you know. And you don't have to do some sort of awful commute. Yeah, you don't have to do a, like, 60-hour mega commute to your, like, crappy office in Silicon Valley like you do in San Francisco. So that's pretty pretty good. Um, all right. So the history of San Diego's public transportation, or as I have written on this document, the olden days... Uh, guys, you'll never guess uh, when streetcars began operating in San Diego. Uh, it was 1886 with a mule-drawn line. Wow, that's essentially the same time as literally everywhere else. Yes, and then <laughs> <laughs> the next year in 1887, the first electric street railway opened up with the San Diego Electric Railway. Okay, that's kind of fast. That what well, I think that what happened is that the mule line and the electric line were in planning at the same time, and the mule line just won. Oh, that's funny. Mule supremacy. <laughs> Did they ever have any cable cars or anything like that? I don't think they had any cable cars. It's not a very, like, hilly city. Just good old wooden wagons. Yeah, omnibuses is what the, the preferred term is. Next thing... Service would gradually expand, both in terms of streetcars and bus routes, over the next 50 years, only interrupted by the Great Flood of 1916. So San Francisco had the giant fire, and San Diego had the giant flood, or the Great Flood. That was an earthquake and a fire in San Francisco. At the same time. Yeah. I've never heard of this Great Flood. Would you mind elaborating? Um, basically, so, so it's really complicated story and I would really recommend that everyone actually research it because it's really hilarious. 
Um, but basically what happened is that El Nino went really hard and then it got blamed on a conjurer, a magician, <laughs> who, who had like released some kind of magic dust into the air to create rain. Uh, and then too much rain came, a dam burst, and the entire city flooded under like four feet of water. Oh. Wow. Well, I was you hoping there different... would be a fun little folksy story like the Chicago Fire. But... You, you and I have different definitions of fun. Yeah, the Chicago Fire, a fun folksy story. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole, the whole um, what was it, a cow in the barn tipping over a bucket or something? Oh, yeah, no, I'm going to cho- continue to choose to believe that it was, in fact, the magician who made it happen just for funsies. <laughs> See, it, it's kind of funny now because we actually can do cloud seeding, so. So maybe they, he they just would be had, stunned. He was from the future, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, All right, that's enough making fun of century-old mass casualty events. It'd be nice. There wasn't that mass casualty event. What? <laughs> Only like, I don't know, ten thousand people died. I don't know how many people died in that. You didn't even check. No, because it just, it's a side note. This is not like the Redline Podcast Great Flood of 1916 episode. This is... <laughs> All right. Also, back. we can't bring him back from the dead. Maybe the guy who started it could, but... We <laughs> <laughs> okay, back uh, to Charlie's. Service on San Diego's uh, final streetcar line would be fully replaced by buses in 1949, making it the first of California's large cities to fully ditch streetcar services. These final cuts occurred just one year after the system was sold by its original owners and renamed the San Diego Transit System, still a private company at this time. Uh, But after the new ownership, uh, surprise, surprise, because this definitely didn't happen anywhere else, uh, failed to revive San Diego's flagging ridership over the next two decades, the struggling company was bought out by the city of San Diego in 1967 and renamed again, and this is a big shocking name change, uh, to the San Diego Transit Corporation. This is pretty un- like the uncreative, anti-creative. Even. They changed the last word. Wow. Huh? Why did they change it at all? To do that. The cons- Alex is probably correct. It's like the very beginnings of horrible California consultant culture. Mm. <laughs> uh, soon afterwards, after you know, they were like. We have a, a train, or we have a bus now, and it belongs to the city. They were like, turns out maybe we should have more than a bus and create Interesting. higher order transit. Interesting. Since if nobody had noticed that just having a bus thing has been not working for a while. What do you mean, flagging ridership? I definitely didn't put that two lines back. <laughs> so, uh,. This is, so, San Diego's trolley, it's called the trolley, it's not actually a trolley, it's... It's not. A pretty bog-standard light rail system in most ways. But they ways. called it a trolley because it sounds cute. Because it sounds cutesy, yeah. So, just just be aware that as I say San Diego trolley, you should not be thinking of, like, a PCC streetcar, although they do have one of those. Uh, you should be thinking of... Like vaguely modern UTA light rail. tracks, but different trademark. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Slander over from Alex. <laughs> uh, I've entitled this section "A Lucky Break" because that's what happened. 
1975, the San Diego region's Metropolitan Planning Organization, then known as the Comprehensive Planning Organization, very creative. Yeah. Uh, now we're named to SANDAG, which I think is the San Diego Association of Governments. Okay, I hate how they acronym that. <laughs> it sounds too close to sandbag. <laughs> San and Diego Association of Governments. Yet another association, or another consequence of the Great Flood is that they named their regional planning organization the Sandbag. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they began serious planning for high-order transit in the San Diego region by publishing a plan that called for nearly 60 miles of, quote, intermediate capacity transit. Unquote. A system that would soon be fleshed out into what we now call light rail transit, or LRT. So this is the the naissance, the birth of light rail in the U.S. Because, you know, they've already been doing it in Germany for a long time, but then yeah. they were like, hey, maybe we should give that a, give that a try here. Yeah, that's, that's early. 75. Yeah, that's the earliest. You are correct, Alex. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, other developments like the state improving funding options for public transportation, uh, which was actually signed into law by none other than perpetual enemy of the pod, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> wow. Uh, including allowing some gas taxes to be spent on rail projects, allowed the MPO's recommendations for rail transit to be taken seriously. Reagan funding mass transit? This is when he was governor and not president, I should be clear. Did he just, like, oh, do a 180 okay. or something? Well... You have to understand that, like, you know, a California Republican, right, can't exactly be... You can't get votes if you just go around not funding anything ever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I'm, well, gonna, I'm surprised, I'm gonna... uh... So, I'm surprised that uh, the funding came from the gas tags. That feels like uh, something that would never, ever happen today. I think you're probably correct. People don't like road money being spent on transit now. Which is fair, because the gas tax has always been meant to be a user fee paid by road users for roads. Well, what if we improve the road experience by not building more roads? Concept. Ooh. I know, big idea. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm, I, I am amused that he has become, like, a perpetual antagonist on this podcast. Yeah. But this time he gets his, like, well, redemption we, arc. We talk about public <laughs> services. Well, this is, the, this, is, this is a moment of not the old service conundrum that we love to talk Crazy. about so much. I know. Something got funded on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, a number of studies were undertaken beginning in 1976, studying heavy rail, because if you'll remember, BART was completed shortly before this. Mm. Uh, so they kind of wanted to build a BART for a minute there, which would have been cool. Yeah, effectively. Um, but they didn't do that. Uh, they also studied light rail and some all-bus alternatives, probably taking a cue from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? That was an accident. My headphones fell off, so I made a weird noise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Pittsburgh had some pretty cool transit going on at the time. They they built busways. Oh, yeah, those ones. They thought about building a busway, which it turns out is most of the time a bad idea. Most of the time, yeah. With yeah. the one exception of Ottawa. So, um, 
But how did the corridor open up in such an important commercial city? Because San Diego is a big port city, right? So the rail lines there are very valuable for... So it's not like other light rail where they just take freight line that's been abandoned. Hashtag not like other light rail. Yeah, the, the rail line here was in full operation at the time. Um, and it didn't just open up for nothing. So, but, you know, uh, as I said in the beginning of this section, a lucky break. Uh, a literal hurricane called Hurricane Kathleen destroyed the line in 1976, giving Southern Pacific Railway an excuse to file for abandonment. This was denied because the government doesn't particularly enjoy railways abandoning their lines. Can't the government just get their crap together and buy all the railways if they want to run them however they want? No. Oh, okay. Never mind. Anyways, continuing. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh dear. Yeah, it destroyed it, and then uh, Southern Pacific was forced to try and sell the line to anyone that would buy it, which enabled the Metropolitan Transit Development Board, which was the group in charge of building the system, uh, to buy up the line for pennies on the dollar, which was like only $18 million for like 100 miles of railway. Dang. Yeah. Or rail alignment. Well, th- yeah, th- at this point, <laughs> mostly rail alignment, as we discussed, the hurricane, kind of. Yeah. Uh, this this the most recent hurricane did not seem to do the same thing, so. <laughs> and did uh, this acquisition have any long-term effects on freight service? Not really. Cool. Guess they, that worked out. They did a UTA where they're like, um, let's, you can have it at night. Yeah, they did a UTA. UTA invented this model. I, I don't care. I will refer to it as <laughs> they did a UTA. Okay, sure. So anyways, they got line, the run train. Yeah, correct. Um, so the Metropolitan... Uh, that's a real mouthful. I'm going to say the MTD... That's also a mouthful. Uh, the MTD... B moved fast and began construction on the new line barely more than a month after the purchase was completed. This was what? Before Has that ever happened? Was this before NEPA? I, this was before CEQA. Oh, which is NEPA <laughs> or worse. Okay. I think. Or maybe I'm incorrect, but it either that or they already had the environmental review finished. There, there's month. no way they would have had it that, that, there, that soon. They were planning ahead, man. They were being smart. What well, sort of agency would do that even... Even in the absence of any environmental review. A smart one. So, Hmm. you know, a month. And then uh, the new line was to be a bare-bones skeleton of what most light rail lines look like today. It was mostly single-tracked, with only 40% of the actual track being replaced. Uh, 14 Siemens U2 vehicles were purchased and had to actually be shipped in from Germany because they were <laughs> the first light rail vehicles in North America. Understandable. Uh, also, rather than buying new rail, most of the jointed track was simply welded together. <laughs> <laughs> and the only new section, the part that street ran in downtown San Diego, was also built at as low of a cost as possible. Uh, they literally just took a road that wasn't well paved and paved over it with new light rail lines and closed it to traffic. This is really starting to explain why this is the, like, comically inexpensive example of light rail. Yes. Um, <laughs> they were very concerned over costs because they feared that the feds wouldn't be willing to pitch in any money, uh, so they reti- relied entirely on local funding, which, again, seems to be a thing that only ever happens in California. Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah. It's crazy. Did, 
So did they build it? They built it cheap for that reason, but did they also think that they would get the ridership to get the funds to eventually do it better? Uh, so they didn't, and that's why they built it like that without the federal funding, because they were scared that since San Diego was kind of a car, really a car city at that time, that they just the feds wouldn't give them any money. Mm-hmm. Good for them. All right, <laughs> they at so least got something. Yeah. So how cheap was it? Uh, so the bare bones system cost an astoundingly low eighty-three million dollars to complete in total, a mere five million dollars per mile. <laughs> Even when adjusted for inflation, the system only costs about $21 million per mile, less than most street-running BRT lines today. <laughs> Astounding. Not saying which street-running BRT system. <clears throat> oh, GX. Sorry, I was had a little sneeze there. Um, yeah. Which I, I, I have put under this just a bullet point with a single word, astounding, because... <laughs> I cannot overstate how incredible this is, given that even the super cheap light rail systems that were built soon after, like UTA, the original North-South line was dollar-adjusted for today, about $50 million. The original Max line, about the same. So this was cheap, even for the very cheap standards of early light rail. That's that's amazing. I know. I wish we could return. All you have to do is reuse garbage old track. I see no problem. Our track's garbage anyway. And have single tracking. <laughs> so maybe we've evolved a bit. I mean, the single tracking did come with some downsides. That could only run 20-minute headways. Uh, and it ran from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., so it didn't have great span of service. But despite this, ridership exploded, and a further $30 million was spent to fully double-track the system and buy 10 more vehicles to improve service. Uh, essentially $7.5 million per mile in total after the... It was fixed in 1983, uh, two years after it opened, uh, which is about $26 million a mile today. Still about half the cheapest light rail ever built. Which is impressive. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, So then, you know, as ridership improved, the system continued to be expanded. Uh, In 1986, the East Line was built, which is now the Orange Line because they've... Le San Diego Charlie, Le S. Yes, yeah, San Diego Trolley Dest. Yes. <laughs> this is the, this is the Rem de Lest, but San Diego Trolley and sure. not obscenely expensive. Um, so this was uh, East Line ran from uh, downtown along the same corridor that the Blue Line, which was the South Line at this time. Uh, it cost very little as well because it also reused crappy uh, <laughs> SP right away. <laughs> With no single tracking this time, though. Hey! They were evolving slowly. And finding money. And finding money. Uh, And then in 1989, the East Line was extended further to Spring Street, taking the East Line out of San Diego city limits for the first time. Whoa! Service would be further extended to El Cajon, uh, which is four stops more later that year. Whoa! Yeah. They really started, like... Go ahead. So, what did they do for stops? If they built it that cheap, did they just, like, put a concrete pad down? That is actually a factor that I forgot to mention here, but it is basically a concrete pad because the original U2 vehicles uh, had steps that reached basically all the way down to track level, (laughs) so you didn't have to have basically any platform at all, unlike, you know, even Siemens SD100s have 
steps that start pretty high above track level, but these were just like right there. So you just had basically the sidewalk you could board off of almost. That's hilarious. Jeez. Um, so reuse crappy old track, lots of single tracking, buy barely any vehicles, and, and have them reach the ground. And massive Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would make it cheap. So, um, and also, notice how quickly they're extending things. Like, this, like the original line opened in 81. This, the fixing of the original line finished in 83. The east line opened in 86, and by 1990, it was, like, way out of there. So... Um, Every two or three years, they're doing something big. Yeah, this was how this was a pattern established in the early days of light rail, and I think we can see it with a lot of different agencies. Um, in 1990, uh, the downtown loop began service with the East Line looping back to terminate at 12th and Imperial, where the two lines joined for the downtown section. Uh, the blue line still terminated where it had terminated before because they didn't want to have two things end of line at the same place anymore. Fun. Um... And then in 1992, the South Line was extended north. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is like how the Northern Line in London is actually the most northern, mo- or is actually the southernmost line of the tube. Lesson learned, don't <laughs> name your lines after compass directions. Yes. Uh, it was extended north to Little Italy with a new stop at Amtrak, uh, at the Amtrak Coaster Station, which was called Santa Fe Depot. Although the coaster service, which is their commuter rail service there, wouldn't actually open until 95. Cool. Coaster sucks, by the way. It's oh, like Front Runner, but worse. That's not really... Front Runner. It carries like 2,000 people a day. Oh. How many trips? <laughs> like five? No. A lot of trips, actually. It runs like two-hour service during the day and at night, <laughs> and then 40-ish minute service during rush hours. Weird. So it's, yeah, it's bizarre. But the ridership is low because it sucks. It used to be pretty good. But um, anyway. Okay. Um... And then in 1995, three new stations opened on the East Line to Santee, the present terminus of the system in that direction. In 1997, the South Line was extended again north to (laughs) Old Town to meet Coaster. Uh, Also, the South and East Line were now officially referred to as the Blue and Orange Line, so we can stop using that cursed thing. Color naming is the best naming. I do think that the South Line had every right to be called South, though, and you know why? Why? Because it goes to within uh, 600 feet of the Mexican border, making it the cool or this South uh, Line in that part of the country. What do you That's just like? Physically possible. Do you just like get off the train, do the border crossing, and like get on a different train? Uh, yes, you can actually walk directly from the San Diego trolley to a border crossing. Cool. And then just walk into Mexico if you want, or. Vice versa. Cool. And they have a train That's on the insane. Mexico side? No, they... they no. Aw. <laughs> there might be a bus, but there's probably not a train. Cool. So, anyway, I'm I'm kind of wanting to try that now. <laughs> Just, like, you know, go fly into San Diego or tr- Amtrak into San Diego and then grab a... a trolley down and just walk into Mexico, get some food, come back, maybe. <laughs> All right then. Sounds yeah. fun. Um. Okay, uh, and then later in 1997, the blue line was extended a further eight stops north to Mission San Diego. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. In 2001 or 2002, uh, the numbers differ. I couldn't figure out which one it actually was. 
the MTS or Metropolitan Transit Service was founded, which uh, absorbed the Trolley Corporation because at this time there were three different transit operators in San Diego County. There was the San Diego City Bus, which was the one we discussed earlier, um, the county buses, and then the Trolley Corporation was its own thing. So lovely. They decided to put them all into one thing, uh, creating the Metropolitan Transit Service. That seems like a good idea. Very true. Uh, and then in 2005, the Green Line, New Line, uh, opened on a freeway-ish alignment between Old Town and Santee, although passengers initially had to transfer from the Green to Blue Lines at Santee because the trains that the Green Line used did not work on the rest of the system. Was this before or after the construction of Ebar? Af- before. Oh, okay. okay. So what had happened here is that the um, the new Green Line used SD100s instead mm. of the old U2s. Is that because they want some of that uh, Made in America funding? Yeah, so they used SD100s, which are the classic cars that we have on tracks, and those had to be boarded from a higher platform than the old U2s, so they couldn't run over the same tracks, and the U2s couldn't run physically onto the onto <laughs> the Green the Line tracks because the stairs wouldn't fit. So <laughs> that was a, a good idea. Um, the trains were more accessible than the old ones because the U2s you had to get lifted up <laughs> like on an elevator into the train whereas these they could just do the bridge plate thing that has cursed uh, UTA forever. Yeah, but it's an improvement. Marginal, but that's good. What do you mean, Alex? You don't want to get lifted on an elevator into a train? <laughs> but that that sounds kind of fun, but not if I had to rely on the service. Yeah. So hard to put the platform and the train floor at the same level. So true. Uh, <laughs> at LA, at San Francisco, all places that had that, you know, within a relatively short distance. But I digress. Um, so then in 2011, they decided to make a Heritage Streetcar downtown for some reason. Uh, it operates only during special periods and runs in a counterclockwise loop around downtown. On existing track. On existing track and generally at less than an hour frequency. Good for them. As long as they didn't spend any money on it. <laughs> well, they spent money on the streetcar, but on no new tracks, thankfully. So. Well, good for them. Yeah. I think that we should do that. Yeah. Except with a UTDC that Yeah, build a loop and use ghost UTDC. Yeah. Um, then... Uh, from 2010 to 2015, they decided to take a modernization program uh, to allow for modern low four trains on all lines instead of just Whoa, <laughs> the, the green line. Uh, so the MTS actually... So this is a really interesting thing of how much UTA and San Diego have in common. Uh, to keep the three-car trains that they liked using that would fit on their downtown blocks, they actually had to work with UTA to create the S70 Ultra Short which is the weird, different S70 variant that we use so we can have our four-car trains. shorter. Yeah. Um, so that they could keep their three-car trains on their downtown blocks. Uh, Portland limitations strike again. Yeah. I mean, in our case, I think we only have the ultra shorts because we built for the SD100. Yeah, for four-car platforms, and we wanted And we just needed trains. something the same length, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of fun, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fun. Um... The U2s were retired first with some SD100 vehicles being maintained in service until today. Uh, I already mentioned UTA rolling stock commonalities. And then the final extension uh, was in 2021, actually. It just opened 
The Midcoast extension brought Blue Line service back north to Old Town, which had been replaced by Green Line service when Rolling Stock's differences were fixed. It just went... Green Line went downtown instead of doing the weird transfer thing anymore. Uh-huh. And, uh... Also nine stations further north. Which takes it, like, half of the coaster line that making coaster... Man, they really like useless. extending the ex-south line. The, they really like extending the south line to the north? Yes, I agree. That's funny. <laughs> so... Um, you're, if you want to understand the service pattern changes on this, you really just need to go watch Vanishing Underground's video, because it's impossible to visualize without actually looking at it. So, there you go. Yeah. And that is this, and as, uh, as Vanishing Underground would say, bringing us to the San Diego trolley system that we know and love today. (laughs) San Diego's trolley today, it's a high quality network with uniformity. Uh, good speeds and decent service levels uh, as 15 minute service on all of the lines I call that decent not good wow in, in, that's what I that's what I was meaning to say in my head any rush hour stuff or just 15 flat 15 flat again with the UCA commonalities yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's uh, supplemented by a metric um, crap ton of bus <laughs> service and Connections to regional transit providers like the Coaster. Um. So, Coaster, so I've put here uh, Coaster and then Sprinter and Metrolink. So, Coaster end of lines at the same place that the southernmost LA commuter rail line end of lines. And they also have a weird um, hybrid rail light rail line that connects there. So, you can technically connect from the San Diego transit services to LA transit services as well as to Sprinter and also Amtrak. So,. Technically, it just takes forever and some weird ill-timed transfers. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, thus, by far the most successful of the modern California light rail systems, um, except LA, but that's really more of a light metro most of the time. Uh, so, Eat Dust, Sacramento, and San Jose. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo. That's very fun. Um, uh should be noted it's actually about as you know the same as portland max in terms of both length and pre-pandemic ridership so they carried about fifth or 115,000 daily riders uh per day before the pandemic uh which is almost exactly the same as max carried with almost exactly the same amount of track mileage so cool um it was a little bit higher per ridership per mile because they had about like 55 miles but you know good, good, good for them yeah uh, it's today, it is the most recovered U.S. light rail system, carrying about 107,000 people per day, which That's is... really good. Like, 90% of ridership, I think. Yeah, how'd they pull that off? Being good. Service improvements? Uh, extension and service improvement. Whoa, you improve service and more people ride your line? Fascinating, I know. Somebody should tell other transit <laughs> systems. What, what a novel concept. Yeah, novel concept. CVTD could never. <laughs> UTA could never. <laughs> Although they did improve service on the three, didn't they? I don't know. Um, I, think, I think it's improved to half an hour, but that's only during school semester. Oh. Oh, boy. Love that but for I, them. I haven't ridden it yet, and I just bought a new bike, so I'm probably not going to ride it. <laughs> Understandable. Until winter. Until winter. Yeah. But you can just walk up the hill to school, so. Yeah, we'll just see how good they shovel sidewalks around here. Get some crampons. 
to walk to school up the hill. No, might even need snowshoes. We'll see. That would be cool. Snowshoe snow to school. Snowshoe to school. You get some Ski skis home. as well. Ski right back down the hill. Yeah. <laughs> kind of jealous. Um, so that brings us to another question. Why um, is San Diego? Yes. Uh, or apostrophe more... S light rail story so important. <laughs> yeah. Why is San Diego's light rail story so important? Uh, it's both because it's both our past and our future, right? It's our past in that it started the early light rail renaissance, building cheap lines with good service, and it inspired other cities like Portland, Salt Lake City, Sacramento, St. Louis, Calgary, and many others to build light rail systems of their own. Uh, it kind of made the transit world a better place by being willing to take a risk and adopt a new technology and way of doing things. Yeah, without this, who knows how long it would have taken for somebody to import some German vehicles and start running them on crappy track. Right. Well, some, you know, San Diego, like, crawled so everyone else could walk. Or waddle a bit. Waddle. <laughs> In this economy. I would say that Portland's downtown uh, alignment proves that maybe they were waddling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's also our future, because the new lines that they've built recently are much faster and more grade-separated, uh, recognizing many of the failings that the original style of LRT had. Uh, they're also continuing to build at a decent cost, which is something that we sorely need. You think that might have something to do with the thing where they just didn't stop building and keep building? Except they did stop building. Oh, like, if, you, if we look back, right, the last extension uh, was the Green Line in 2005. Between then and 2021, they didn't actually open anything new other than the Silver Line. Oh, yeah. And modernization program. But that's well, just... never mind then. They're just good. Yeah, they just... Well, did did they do all of their own track maintenance and such? So th they at least kept some of the knowledge? That could be part of it, is that they did rebuild a lot of the system, as we discussed, during, you know... The modern modernization. Well, yeah, because by then it was 30 years old, so... <laughs> and know. the tracks aren't very good to begin with. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? You don't want to ride over your welded track at 55 on the south line? Uh... <laughs> so... Um, I should also, like, I just want to emphasize again how much uh, the San Diego trolley is UTA's DNA. Like, we are exactly the same in so many ways. <laughs> in that we took, you know, we made a big purchase, a big visionary purchase of reused uh, or out-of-service rail lines to, like, build our trains on. We have the same rolling stock. We have basically the same service pattern. <laughs> Not the same ridership. I wish we did, but... Yeah. <laughs> you know. Not the same feeder bus system, either. No, and San Diego's a lot bigger than Salt Lake, so... But, yeah. you know, anyway. Um, in conclusion, the San Diego trolley is great, but not really trolley. I don't know why they insist on continuing to call it that. And if they want to make it better, they should run more buses and make Coaster not suck. Concept. <laughs> so... Yeah, how, how are we feeling about... I, I put in the title of this thumbnail text, uh, colon, America's best light rail, question mark, question mark, question mark. Do, yeah. do, is this America's best light rail, question mark, question Quite mark, question possibly. mark? It, it definitely... It's definitely... Um, it definitely could be. What I want to know is, can we still build light rail for $5 million a month if we want to? <laughs> do we want to reuse flooded track and weld it together why the heck not <laughs> <laughs> anything to keep costs down 
Anything to keep costs down. The cost snake is too powerful. Hey, what was the one in <laughs> Texas that they just ran DMUs on existing track? Uh, that's the Austin one, and there it cost them more than that. Well, inflation adjusted. <laughs> inflation adjusted, it cost them more than that. How? I don't know. <laughs> Great uh, question. Figures. Yeah, you notice that the orange line is kind of squiggly, isn't it? Yeah, that's special. We're, we're playing around on Google Maps now for listener context. Uh, apparently the right-of-way is just squiggly trademark. Yeah, that's because it's an old rail line built before trains you know, we discovered that you could create straight lines with trains. <laughs> and also it has to go around hills a little bit, so... You know, it's fun. It's nice that there's very little freeway running generally, except on the green line, so... Yeah, freeway running's a pain well, in and, the ass. and the north of the blue line, I guess. I take that back. <laughs> Well, unless they want to start building some, like, REM-style median stations. True. Uh, there is also one subway station on the system, which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, where's that? Uh, San Diego State University. Cool. Was there just, like, a hill on the way or something? Um, I think they just wanted to tunnel under campus to, like, not be a pain. That would have been fun if we did that here. Yeah, if we did that. <laughs> what a significantly improved coverage. The future frontrunner station directly under uh, Utah State University. <laughs> oh, oh, please. <gasps> so, yeah, that's all I got to say. Uh, anybody else have anything to say before I go into the closing spiel? Uh, I think I think we covered it pretty good. I, yeah, sounds cool. I, I didn't know the history. Now I do. Informative now you know. podcast. Now you know that magicians can, in fact, create floods. Yeah, so I didn't know the system seriously. was, like, so big and well used. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so thanks for listening. Uh, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe on if you're on YouTube, or to follow us and leave us a rating on iTunes and Spotify. If you like what we do here, you can become a member on Patreon. Patreon patr- <laughs> Patrons receive early access to all of our episodes, exclusive content, as well as occasional merch drops. Speaking of patrons, uh, at Super Double Tracked Coaster <laughs> tier, we have uh, Zach Adams at $69.69 a month. And well, What's the coaster got now? Half a track? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, at slightly, I don't know, three-quarter tracked tier, we have, or <laughs> one and three-quarters tracked tier, we have Generic GT, uh, $35 a month. That regular frontrunner tier, $10 a month. We have Curtis Herring, Devin Zander, Mike Christensen, and Phobos2390. At uh, $5 a month, our red line tier, we have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley, DJ... Hi, Will. Watkins, Eliza, Elijah Kensler, Jacob Whitecotton, Jesse Mayo, Reluctant LA Resident, Robert P. Walsh, and Scott Harris. And at blue line tier, $3, we have Alex Stakelski, Ben Busa. Bradley Bondi, Ethan McDonald, Evelyn, G4, Gonza12, Jack Dean, John Heron Gorman, Martin Hecker Martinez, Matt Gray, Seth, Zach Forstad. And at our $1 green line tier, we have Capil. Thank you all. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you. And you... we had a meeting recently, and merch is in the works somewhere. Yeah, so. more merch. More merch. Yeah. All right, see you all next week. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah, we're going to cover, like, a different super cool groundbreaking light rail system next week, or do we run out of those? There are a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs>